Welcome to Invest in Brazil, your go-to podcast on the ins and outs of capital markets in one of the world's most important developing economies. My name is Fábio Coelho, and I am the CEO of the Brazilian Association of Capital Market Investors, AMEC. Today, I'll be your host. Not so long ago, IPOs were so rare in the Brazilian stock market that, in 2018, the number of companies debuting on B3 matched the number of Brazilian companies launching IPOs on Wall Street. There was no shortage of reasons for this scarcity. First of all, Brazil's recession in 2015 and 2016 harmed investment, reducing the window for stock offers. Second, with less than 500,000 investors, the domestic market posed dramatically fewer fundraising opportunities than the US. And last but not least, the bumpy track record for IPOs in Brazil was still fresh in investors' minds. That's because in 2007, sound macroeconomic fundamentals and a monetary easing cycle encouraged 64 companies to join Brazil's stock exchange. But in a hurry to make hay while the sun was shining, many of these firms didn't develop the proper governance tools required by the market. When the global financial crisis struck, reducing liquidity, it was clear they weren't equipped to withstand the heat. To make things worse, several of these companies were later involved in corruption scandals. As a result, many were delisted a few years later, leaving a path of losses behind them. Fast forward to 2021, and Brazilian investors and companies were ready to give the domestic market a new chance. Surprisingly enough, thanks to the coronavirus pandemic. First of all, the central bank reduced benchmark interest rates to their lowest level ever in August 2020 as a consequence of the COVID crisis, allowing a massive influx of resources into financial markets. Seeking better profits, investors created an appetite for equity. Meanwhile, companies were also in need of funding as a way to weather the crisis or enjoy growth opportunities in areas such as e-commerce. That unlikely combination created a window of opportunity for the 28 companies that joined the market in 2020. And the trend is only getting stronger, with some 40 firms going public in Brazil this year already and another 14 waiting in the wings at the time this podcast was recorded. This IPO boom is leading to some deep transformations. New sectors appeared, such as tech stocks, while traditional ones like healthcare gained new assets due to increased demand spur by the pandemic situation. Now, more and more startups are seriously considering going public as an option for growth which could boost Brazil's rich ecosystem even further. More positive news came from the side of investors. Local institutional investors, especially pension funds, are looking to diversify their portfolios, providing a solid domestic demand for new stocks. Meanwhile, the participation of individual investors in IPOs is growing as Brazil inches closer to the milestone of 4 million retail investors. There are reasons to be optimistic about this process. 
but this wouldn't be a podcast on financial markets if we didn't highlight the risks. As we speak, interest rates have already hiked back to more than 5%, with market consensus suggesting that further hikes will bring the benchmark CELIC rate to something close to 10% by the year-end. While that would still be a low level for Brazilian standards, it is a significant change from the ultra-low rates seen last year. So, if liquidity runs dry, what will prevent history from repeating itself and help avoid a crisis like the one we saw in 2007? Simple. Strong governance. To discuss the importance of best governance practice for new entrants in capital markets, we reached out to non-executive director Geraldo Afonso Ferreira. We will talk to him after the break. Welcome to our podcast, Geraldo. It's a pleasure having this conversation with uh, Amec. Thank you very much. So, Geraldo, when this IPO boom began, it was only natural to compare it to the one we saw in 2007. What similarities and differences do you see between them? And can we expect a different outcome this time? Well, I don't think it is, there is no similarity at all if you check the numbers between uh, 2007 and And today, the 2007 economic boom worldwide uh, versus the, uh, the 2021 market, for me, it is a uh, reflex of, uh, of uh, liquidity in our market caused by the governments uh, around the world, the reduction of the uh, interest rate due to the, due the pandemic. And this has actually forced the investors to, to go to the equity market. Well, I, I don't see a, a, a bubble big enough like the 2008 coming, but adjustments uh, due to the overrating given to some sectors and companies, I believe it will be necessary, especially IPOs that were not properly structured in their governance aspects and are commonly neglected by local investors. Let's keep, my, my advice is, let's keep uh, our eyes very open. Well, speaking of keeping our eyes open, governance experts became alarming in recent months, claiming companies were assembling control stances in a hush to take advantage of the current window of opportunity. How prepare local companies to go public? <laughs> That's a very good question. Actually, you can hardly count on the fingers of, of one hand the Brazilian you know, IPOs that were properly organized, from the, of course, from the corporate governance perspective in Brazil. Uh, starting, I can see that starting from the composition of the, of the board of directors, there was hardly no diversity or pro proper competence metrics to be forming these, uh, these, these, the boards of these companies. And then after that, you see companies that had no, did not start with the auditing committee, for example, and going through not having fiscal counsel. And I feel that many people view corporate governance as a compliance exercise rather than something that could actively create value. That's my opinion regarding that. We now have a something of a tech stock sector in Brazil, which coincides with a new legal framework for startups. Do you think this law will help strengthen startup governance practice? And if so, 
we would make them more prepared to join the market. Well, I doubt very much since the whole, from my point of view, the, the whole concept behind this project, it is, is not direct linked to the strengthening the startups, but to comply with the OECD, you know, the OECD instructions, uh, like the so-called uh, tax reform the Congress is trying to approve. Both are related, from my point of view, to present a more developed business environment in Brazil, you know, allowing the country to become a member of this organization. And uh, it, it brings uh, opportunists for, for, to, to, to hide, you know, in, in this type of, uh, of uh, uh, bills, they, start, they try, there are too many opportunists trying to, to hide some amendments uh, on, on the law that doesn't bring benefit to the startups or good governance practices. I don't, I don't believe this is the route to, to, to become a nation that offers attractiveness for foreign investments, to be honest with you. Uh, if they reduce the tax burden and its complexity, would offer a, a much better return to the whole local economy. But this is, you know, this is a long story that we can talk uh, some other time. Let's wait and see the results of it. We recently had an important regulatory development with a new law allowing super voting shares in Brazil, arguing that it would attract more startup IPOs to the country. What's your view on the bill? Does it threaten minority shareholders' rights? The, the, whole, the whole issue is that the major excuse to this bill is related to the fact that other stock markets around the world are now offering the dual-class shares. And our stock exchange, B3, here in Brazil, is claiming to be losing uh, tech companies' IPOs to NASDAQ, for instance, where they offer, uh, by offering dual-class shares, will not stop those techs to list in the U.S. Simply because uh, that's, uh, it's NASDAQ is, is actually the mecca of the, of the tech industry with different methods of valuation, you know, much large market and uh, well-knowledgeable investors in, in tech companies uh, that are linked to, to NASDAQ. That's my point. Yeah, regarding, yes, I, I'm sure, I, I'm sure it, it threatens the minority, minority shareholders, even with sunset clause and limited votes per share. Uh, simply because our law enforcement is almost none, you know, with a regulator that has no support from the central government of Brazil, with ridiculous budget and a lack of manpower to do their job. And goes, you know, without saying that the board of these, reg the, the board of, uh, of this uh, regulator, our CVM here in Brazil, has no diversity of competences, you know, format, it's with, only with lawyers which doesn't make any sense on the present days. Experts also worry that companies are simply trying to check all the boxes and join Novo Mercado, instead of actively building strong governance practice over time. So, as an investor, how would you know the difference between companies that are taking it seriously and the ones that aren't? Uh, you have to evaluate uh, you know, their perspectives, what they are presenting, you know, Uh, and it's not that difficult to to find the ones which are which are actually serious on this aspect. First of all, uh, my suggestion is uh, the investor should first of all start by reading the bylaws of this company. 
Then analyze the board of directors. Board of directors is actually the brain of the company. If, analyze if they, if they have uh, internal procedures, if they, uh, they publish the competence matrix of the group, of the, the board, which is important for you to analyze each and every one, who they are, uh, you know, where uh, they're coming from, their relationship and their major, with, the, with the major shareholders is very important to analyze, how many independents there are in this board, and if they can really be called independent. You know, check if they, they have overboarding, these candidates have over, overboarding of the, uh, in, their, in, their, in their positions, if they have too many uh, of the uh, boards that they are uh, also working with, and if they have as well interlocking to see if one board, one board member is scratching the back of another board member going, it's, 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 it's becoming very usual here in, in Brazil. Interlocking is it's very important. So a board of directors it is the company's brain, no doubt. Uh, from there, you, know, you, you can check you know, the committees created, if there was any committee created, uh, and their composition, obviously. And, and never forget to vote in favor to establish a fiscal council. You know, also with the, with most independent members, if you can, uh, but on, on you know on every annual shareholder meetings, um, this council you know the, the fiscal council is quite rare in other countries, but this is a positive safeguard for all shareholders. That's very important. Companies that went public in 2020 are now completing their first year as listed businesses. How do you rate their governance practice over this period? Would it be fair to say they have faced a bit of a learning curve? They are definitely on a learning curve, but it's still learning, you know what I mean? So this learning would, could be faster if the investors, especially the, the institution and the asset management locally, would have done their stewardship properly. Which, unfortunately, you know, every, as everybody knows, it's not yet the strongest point of those, those investors are the institutional or assets here in Brazil. So my, my advice is that uh, we better keep our eyes on these new companies as well. It's good you mention stewardship, Geraldo. As these companies are joining the market at a time the ESG agenda is going mainstream, How important is it for investor that the new entrants are aligned to this concept? I believe the SEG, you know, it is vital and extremely important for any company in long-term prospects. Without a transparent and effective social and environmental policy based, from my point of view, on a genuine corporate governance foundation, there would be no hope to any company uh, to stand on the market. Geraldo, this has been an incredible, insightful discussion. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's a pleasure, and I hope I have properly answered all the questions uh, you had. I'm ready for any other way that I can help Amec to develop, you know, the capital market in Brazil and especially the stewardship among the investors. My name is Fábio Coelho. 
and I am the CEO of the Brazilian Association of Capital Market Investors, AMEC. Thanks for listening to Invest in Brazil. See you next time.